0: the hills of Los Angeles Los Angeles
1: your hosts for the day are corner of the galaxy's josh gessman and la times soccer reporter kevin baxter let's start the show Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on
2: cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on a wonderful Monday, February the 7th. The LA Galaxy threw their third preseason game, the first one in front of fans. We get to watch it. We got to see it. Uh, You either streamed it on lagalaxy.com. You either got blocked because you're out of state or maybe you streamed it on our Discord um, or you were at the game. It was a lot of fun. So hopefully you got to see it. Hopefully you got to enjoy it a little bit A 4-0 win for the LA Galaxy in preseason. You don't get that very often. We have a Costa tracker. You wanted the Costa tracker? We have a Costa flight tracker. We know where he's at. We're going to show you where he's at during this podcast. We're going to get you and sort of give you an idea of one of his arrivals planned and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So hang in there. We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff. Uh, Kevin Cabral, obviously, is going to be a big topic of discussion. Christian Pavone towards the end of the show as well. So a lot of stuff to get to, a lot of things to talk about. To help me do that tonight... The Panda is in Ontario at the Fury game. We're going to call him here in a couple minutes, but here in the studio, or not in the studio, but in the in the chat box here, is uh, Mr. Christian Miles stepping in. Christian, how's it going, buddy?
3: Great, buddy. Uh, to show my dedication to, to COG, I've forsaken the season three finale of Daniel the Tiger. <laughs> so we could talk a little galaxy. So I, I, I was gonna, I'm excited. I'm no panda, but I'm very i I'm, I'm I'm no panda, but I'm excited.
2: That's okay. It's, sometimes it's better not to be a panda. Um I was gonna say I wanted to, you know, we're we're both fathers. We were we were both talking a little bit about dad life before. I wanna tell you about the story of my six dollar Mario Kart Hot Wheels that has now cost me. $38, if you, would, if, you, <laughs> if you would like to hear this story real quick. It's just an opener while everybody's sort of here. It's just an opener. Um, So I went to Target with my, uh, with my two-year-old, uh, and we go, and he's all excited because usually I give him a Hot Wheels car, right? They're 99 cents. I'm like, here, buy a Hot Wheels car. So we get to the Target line. There's no Hot Wheels cars. They're like all sold out. There's none. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, and now he's like heartbroken already. I, I was going to get a car. Yeah, I'm like, I know, buddy. I know. And so we go over. There's one, you know, Mario Kart, right? The um, mm-hmm. so there's a little Mario Kart Hot Wheels figure and it's Mario and he's in a go kart and I show it to to my son and I'm like what do you think of this one and he's like oh yeah okay and I look at it and it's like six bucks and I'm like all right whatever I don't care go ahead and grab it so we go we leave uh, he plays with it all day he's showing everybody his Mario card he goes to get a haircut later that evening. He leaves the car at the haircut place, right? We know it's gone the whole deal. So now he's asking for Mario that whole night. So we know on Sunday, we have to go back to target and get another Mario. So we go back to target on Sunday to get a Mario. Do they have Mario? Of course not. They don't have a single Mario, but you can get a four pack. That includes the Mario. <laughs> now it's Mario in a shoe instead of Mario more in like the cart form, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hooked me right in. So we bought that, right? That was like 25 bucks or something like that in order to get the four with Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong and all these other things. So we do that. So I'm like, I can't believe this. Am I, w-? but he's still asking for the other one. So my wife goes on Amazon. It's like, I'm just going to order it on Amazon because I don't need this. So she like orders it on Amazon. It's another seven or eight bucks by the time we get it and the whole deal. So it's on its way. And then wouldn't you know, Sunday evening at about all four thirty PM, five, 5 PM, he walks over and shows us both of his Mario cars. It's been in the house the whole time. So <laughs> so now we're going to have three Marios. There we go. So that was my, that's how one Mario can turn into like $36 uh, real real quick. So there, there's you're my so, Mario story. You're
3: so daddish. You're so daddish. I love it, but I, I can totally identify.
2: You're like, come on, if it's $6 is going to make them happy, I wouldn't pay the $6, right? I mean, oh,
3: oh, yeah, exactly.
2: You know, even if it ends up being $30. 4 times,
3: times. over. Yeah, exactly.
2: Over <laughs> and over again. So anyway, that's what we got. Um, Exciting for the LA Galaxy, I think. Uh, You get a preseason game. I get it. Okay, first of all. I think everybody needs to raise their right hand and repeat after me. I will not get excited about a preseason game. I will not get excited about a preseason game. I will not get excited about a preseason. Just say it for the rest of the show. I will not get excited about a preseason game, but I am excited. I I can't help it. Of course you are, because everybody is. Uh, Kevin Cabral was standout in this game. Quite honestly, had three or four really good chances, looking dynamic, scored two goals. So that's big. Uh, We're going to talk about Kevin Cabral. We're going to talk about all that, but we want to get to Diego Costa first. Um, And I just... Before we talk about the tracker and where everything, I mean, Christian, you've been following along with the saga. Uh, we've I, I, we've conversed on Twitter about it. We haven't had a chance to talk face-to-face, so to speak, about Douglas Costa. But what do you think of Douglas Costa?
3: Oh, well, I, I tweeted out myself, you know, right when this was kind of bubbling to the surface, it was kind of a high risk, high reward. I know you and Sophie and, you know, you and Hammer and Panda talked about it, and it's a guy that... He has such a tremendous upside, so much potential, but you know, let's be honest, this guy has a history of some attitude problems, and he's also got a history of injury problems the last few years, and there's a reason why his contract wasn't renewed. And that's kind of tempered my excitement. In terms of raw physical talent, what Sophie, I thought, said last week on your show is very apropos. This guy will be, including Chicharito. The best player on this team bar none his, right. his physical attributes his his that burst of pace that he used to have about you know four or five years ago with Bayern Munich and, and his technical abilities you know, by far making the best player getting the best out of him is going to be that it's a gamble I think Josh um I don't know how do you see it
2: well you know what I, I was going to tell you how I was going to see it but first I'm actually gonna I'm gonna bring in our a, a, a guest he's at the Ontario Fury game uh Mr. Baxter are you there sir
0: Yes, your Fury are up seven to one over Tacoma at halftime. It's an exciting game. All uh, three hundred fans are all a tither.
2: <laughs> They're a tither. <laughs> I was gonna say, how did you how did you get pulled out to an Ontario by the way, I, I, I people know this if they've been around me long enough. I was a part of the supporters group whenever they were the Anaheim Bolts in Anaheim playing at the Anaheim Convention Center. In fact, I laid the turf a couple times because they needed help laying turf for that team and doing that stuff. So they're, they're out in Ontario now, which is good because then I can't lay turf for them, and that was not fun. Um, but how, why are you out there?
0: You know, I, I'm okay. I'm not. First of all, after that little joke, I'm not going to bag on these guys because they're the, the ownership here and the team and the players. They're they're they're, they're serious about this. Um, and, and and you know, you were just talking about Douglas Costa, and I'll get to my opinion Douglas Costa in a minute, but when I was down in Brazil for the World Cup and then later for the Olympics, I talked to a lot of uh, people involved in soccer down there and because there's not a lot of open space in Sao Paulo and, and Rio and, and the large cities, a lot of those uh, players, and we're talking about like Neymar, Juninho, Marcelo Mar- 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 Sarvis, they all grew up playing futsal, which is you know, just because they you know they had to play on like a basketball court or a tennis court, they didn't have a lot of room. And uh, Neymar especially is one who says that that taught him how to be a ball handler, how to get out of tight spaces, how to how to change from one foot to the other. That's what you see in this uh, in this um, indoor soccer. is tight spaces. It's very fast, very fast paced. As you know, because you said you used to go to games. Um, so the skill set that some of these players learn here is, is it's fairly exceptional.
2: Oh, we're, we're already gonna. Kevin is being sucked into uh, the it, hole that Ontario is. Kevin, are you back now?
0: No. Yeah, I'm not. Go I'm ahead. not. I, I don't think I'm gonna be. What? Go can you hear me? I don't yeah. think I'm gonna become a. a
2: Oh yeah, no, no, you're breaking up. I was gonna say, why don't I'll try to call you back here and and we'll talk a little bit about. Okay,
0: how about how's it?
2: Uh, a little better. I don't know. We'll try. We'll try for a little bit longer, and if it doesn't work, I'll just hang up am on I, you. It's fine with me.
0: Am I back yet? Yeah, am you're, I back you're yet? there. You're how's there.
2: It? Yeah, perfect. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. So anyway, I'm saying that you know, I, I think the sport does have a purpose. It's not really soccer. It's more like hockey, but it is fun. It is exciting. Um, you know, the, the, you can see where some players could take these skills from, from uh, certainly, futsal, indoor soccer, you know, to the bigger game. Um, but anyway, the reason I'm out here is J.P. De who's Camera, who's, a, who's a, a, a broadcaster, he's in the Hall of Fame, the National Soccer Hall of Fame. He is now working in the front office of Major uh, Indoor Soccer League and asked me to come out and take a look. And so, um, uh, because of his invitation, I did come out. But I heard a little bit of what, what you guys were saying about Douglas Costa. And it dovetails nicely with this because, as I said, a lot of Brazilian players grow up playing futsal, which is like indoor soccer. Um, you know, I, I, I think this is a big gamble, too. I think it's a huge gamble. And when you look at Douglas Costa, he's 31. He'll be 32 by the end of the season. He hasn't played uh, more than – he's only played more than 27 league games in a season one time in his career. He's fought injuries. Last year he actually got um, – uh, talked to a sports psychologist because he was ready to retire. He was so down with all the injuries. And he's also had motivation problems that, um, you know, it, there was one point when he was playing in Italy where he, he just flew home or flew back to France uh, for a birthday party for Neymar and got in a car accident that, that same week. And he didn't violate any team rules, but it was like, what what are you doing? Um, uh, you know, you, you got to be a little more serious about your training and, and being available to the team. So I think they're fighting two things. The health is number one, but he's throughout his career, he's dodged claims of being... You know, not dedicated, not motivated, not mentally there. Those are the two things that the Galaxy had with Gio Dos Santos when he was here. So I think this is another, could be another five million dollar gamble.
2: Yeah, it, it seems like a lot. Um, you know, as as has been reported and as being reported, this is still a done deal. It's not like anybody can change their mind on this, uh, Kevin and Christian, and and so it feels like um, now it's at a, it's at a point where the Galaxy have to integrate him into this team, which is going to be difficult because now they're already on a short I mean 20 days uh, I haven't said it yet but 20 days until the LA Galaxy kickoff against New York City FC uh, the Galaxy headed out to the desert here uh, tomorrow afternoon they'll train in the morning at Dignity Health Sports Park we will head out to uh, the Coachella Valley there uh, for the next four or five days after that they'll basically play a game on Thursday and a game on Sunday and return Sunday evening Um, so that's this is going to be the amount of time that they have to sort of get him in and get him acclimated to this Uh, Kevin before we uh, before we let you go. I, is this isn't what Greg Vanny wanted? He told us that he wanted to have everybody in um quickly and get everybody in camp as soon as possible. This seems like this is going to be a a difficult task to get him in and ready to play with this team.
0: Well, he's I think he's fit as fit as he is going to be. As again with the injury problems and fitness problems throughout his career, he's already gone through uh, preseason with his club in Brazil. They just started the season, so he may not be game fit, but he's. He's not starting from a standing start. So that is kind of on the side. Um, you know, as Christian said, yes, he is. He's probably going to be, as soon as he gets here and puts on a Galaxy jersey, he's probably going to be the most talented player in Major League Soccer, I think. But it's getting him to display that. And, you know, Banny talked about that. We we had a talk in January, and Vanny talked about that. He said, you know, his skill set, he is one of the best players in the world when he is fit. And, I've, you know, I've rarely heard a coach sort of, Throw cold water in his own praise of a player like that. And I think that's the big problem for the Galaxy. And I think you're right. I don't think this is the player Vanny wanted. As we know, Bruce Arena did not want Gio. Bruce Arena did not want Steven Gerrard. Those were players they didn't need. They were strong in the midfield both times. They brought in these players, designated players, for a lot of money. Um, I just it just seems too familiar, and and we're in a situation where Chris Klein is in the last year of his contract, I believe Dan Beckerman is as well. Right. Um, I don't know if this is necessarily a hail mary pass, but this it, I just see the signing. There's a, as Christian said, there's a huge possible upside to this, but the downside with like as it was with Gerard, as it was with Gio, it's right there. Uh, and if this doesn't work, this could be a real disaster. And you know, you and I, Josh, talked earlier today. This doesn't seem to be a position of need for the Galaxy. He's a winger. They have Grant Sear. Cabral's playing well in the preseason. Like, granted, it's the preseason. They have Efrain Alvarez. They have wingers. What they really need is a central attacking midfielder, and they haven't, uh, they haven't found that person yet, and, and I, don't think, I don't think Douglas Costa is going to be that person.
2: All right. Well, um, I, I know Christian and I are certainly going to talk about that. So, Kevin, thank you for calling in, buddy. We appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, for checking well, out the Ontario attacking- Fury for us as well.
0: you 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 actually called me in any case uh,
2: (laughs) however that works thanks buddy we'll talk to you soon yeah all
0: right all right
2: there goes the panda out there at the ontario fury game i i will say this and i was pushed kevin and i did have this discussion earlier and i said yes and no you know in terms of position and need or not if he is indeed the most talented player you know on the team and possibly you know someone to say maybe even top in in MLS. If he is that guy, you can always use that guy. It doesn't matter cuz it means he's pushing somebody else out of the way. So, position of need, no. I still me personally I would love to have a central attacking midfielder. I know can play 65 80 minutes a game control things really push things up when instead it seems like it may be a platoon with with uh Victor Vasquez and with uh Efrain Alvarez and with uh Sasha Clutch in there as well there's a lot of a lot of stuff to sort of uh to to sort of figure out how everything uh lines up in that now um, before we get to talking more about Costa, let's get you to the Costa tracker and the Costa update. If if I had more time, I would have I was gonna put together a really cool graphic and make noises. I told Christian like it was gonna be like an alarm and there's a you know like a flight coming in. Uh, for, sirens, yeah, yeah, sirens and whistles, exactly. Um, so here is, here's what we're seeing right now. Fabrizio Romano tweeted out a picture and clearly, I mean, this is Douglas Costa, like basically sending it to Fabrizio Romano, just FYI. I mean, you can sort of see how this is all lining up or his agent is or something like that. So we got a picture. All right, I'm going to yeah. take, I'm going to, we're going to go down the rabbit hole. Uh, Christian, do you think everybody's prepared for the rabbit hole? I'm about to take them down. I, I, don't, I don't think know.
3: I, I I sense a tracker. I sense some charts. I, I don't know what's coming, but bring it on big boy.
2: There, there are a couple things that I get really excited about. Okay. We, we know it's soccer talking about soccer and podcasting yes. those things, right? We know that it's that we know that it's trains. Cause if you've been following around, I love my trains and I've been modeling and doing all sorts of stuff. Then that's my, my break from soccer. The third thing, which we know on this podcast, I've talked about many, many times and have a passion for is flying. Um, And I can tell you that from this picture, we are able to deduce a whole bunch of things. This single picture, uh, Douglas Costa is sitting with a logo behind him. That is the logo of United Airlines. Uh, it's actually, if you really want to get it, it's actually a combined logo between United Airlines and Continental. Whenever they took over Continental and bought them, uh, they combined the world sort of globe into the back of of that uh, that logo. So um, that's why you see that, that globe in the background. But that is United Airlines uh, what it is. Now, what we can also tell in this picture is that there are overhead bins on either side of his head, Christian, which means that he's probably flying on a wide body aircraft because that would have a center aisle that has overhead bins, right? So that means there's like uh, two aisles. We call wide bodies anything that has two or more aisles on it. Okay, so there's two aisles. He's probably sitting in the right, ce- right? He's probably sitting in the center section. We know that because we can see both sides of that. And otherwise, he would be up against a window. Uh, he's in Polaris, which is their first class section of things as well. So we can deduce that. So we're starting to put some things together here. Well, if you really wanna start putting things together, you can try to find nonstop flights from Brazil and various cities into the United States. Now, what you're gonna find, Christian, if you really start digging and dividing on this, is you're gonna find that there is no direct flight Right now, from Brazil to LAX. Right, so that one you have to cross out right away. That's not happening. There are none that are either from Sao Paulo or Rio, or we yeah. were we were even looking at at Grêmio and and sort of like in little like could you have taken to
3: Alegre Yeah. Yeah. They really, they. Saw, I remember when I flew to Sao Paulo, was direct.
2: Yeah, and yeah. and I'm sure in most times there are. I think either in yeah. COVID times or today there wasn't. Right. Um, it's a long flight too, right? That, do you, how, how long was your flight down to?
3: It's about 11 hours.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, you're going like halfway across the globe from Maybe North that. to South. Um, yeah. so it, it's a long way. So what we know is, and what we were able to deduce is that uh, Douglas Costa left from Rio, um, may have had to fly down to Rio in order to actually get to Rio. Um, GIG is the airport code at Rio. He's now flying into Houston, and that makes a ton of sense. Flights coming from South and Central America often hit Houston as their gate point um, into the United States. So that United um, is that United plane, by the way, which is a 767-300. Just in case you ever wanted to see what one of those looks like, Basically, it looks like something like this, a United 767-300. And if you're on the podcast, it's a wide-body airplane. Uh, it looks very much like a 757, except it has a wider body. Um, I don't know. A 757 looks it's like a Hawk. It's the same model
3: as the COG jet, right? Yeah, that's
2: right. That's right. Um, okay. A 757 looks like a Hawk, by the way. If you've ever seen it, it <laughs> yeah. does. It has like talons that come down, right? This is more like full-body, like maybe a Hawk that ate a snake or something like that. So that's, that's what a 767. So that is traveling up there. It is currently expected to land in Houston about 530 a.m. Houston time. Okay, so that is a long flight flying overnight, landing in Houston. If you play the game and you sort of figure out what other things can happen after that, you would think that he would be arriving in Los Angeles after landing in Houston uh, somewhere between 9 and 10 a.m. in the morning. That seems to be where this is going. So the tracker shows him right now. And this is even a little bit behind. And I'll try to snap a, a, another screenshot before we end this. But um, this was just before the show started uh, somewhere in in the center of South America. There, um, climbing up towards uh, towards the top of, uh, of Yeah, he's, South in, America. he's flying over the Amazon
3: right now. It looks like
2: there's there's some weather buildup in that area too, some thunderstorms <laughs> and stuff like that, which you would expect it.
3: I got uh, to oh. take my hat off to you, Josh. This is impressive.
2: I mean, you know, I am I, I do try. I do try. This is this is Jared uh, Jared Dubois, former co host, was on Twitter. He was like, "Whenever that he goes, I'm always amazed that Josh's you know obsession with flying usually comes out flying colors. Whenever it's transfer time, right? It's like, yep, transfer tracker time. Let's find out where he's at." Okay. So um, anyway, so that's the plan right now. So Douglas Costa on his way to the U S. going to land in Houston and then Houston to L A. That is the the entry to Los Angeles and how he will be able to get here and straight um, to training. Right? I <laughs> well. The interesting thing was uh, Fabrizio had to, of course, tweet this out today because he said that there was an announcement expected today. And so we were all sitting around twiddling our thumbs waiting for a Monday announcement and it did not come right Um, and probably didn't come because Douglas Costa was not in the United States yet. Uh, However, however that happens. Now, here's the other thing that we know, Christian, from previous transfers is that it could take a while for him to technically be have a visa and have all the paperwork available and ready to quote unquote play. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if his stay in Los Angeles is actually kind of short as they work on some paperwork and do some other things. And he may have to fly back, back to Brazil, or he may have to fly somewhere else mm-hmm. in order to get a visa and then reenter that. Cause he's probably coming on a, you know, like a, a, a quick business visa or something like that that only yeah. is valid for a short amount of time. And then he's got to leave and enter back in on the P one visa.
3: Right. Yeah. That's what happened with Grand Sierra, I believe. And, and I think Cabral as well. They had to go back as well.
2: Yeah, there's there's certainly and sometimes you can like fly down to Mexico and just do it from Mexico. And sometimes you have to fly oh, back yeah. to the country of origin and it, it's it's a nightmare. So expect that as well. And like we said, 20 days until the L.A. Galaxy play against New York City FC. That's less than three weeks. Um, you know, we're, we're inside the zone. We are yesterday was three weeks. Um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes and, and sort of pay attention to where all of that heads and all these different things. And so we're going to see, uh, see how, how he comes into the country and whether or not the LA galaxy will announce him before he's already played like three games or something like that. Um, you know, that's, that's always our little joke is that sometimes we feel like they're, they're a little behind on the announcement. Everybody knows it's coming. All right. Everybody knows yeah. it's coming.
3: Yeah. That, that horse has left the barn. What do you, what do you think? Training by, I don't mean optimistically. Mid next week, maybe, or week following. I I have I
2: have I have questions about the whole timeline. Let's just put it that way for right now. I have questions about the whole timeline. I'm we'll saying
3: week after next. I'm going to go out on a limb and say week after next.
2: Here's what I imagine will happen is that he's going to come in and I imagine he'll start training and doing stuff with the team, even though he's not supposed to. And he'll do that because that's usually what happens. Um, He'll come in, he'll do some stuff and then he'll at one point they'll figure out the visa stuff and he'll fly out and then fly back. Um, So I'm hoping that by let's see, let's say February 19th, this sort of a day where it feels like a teeter totter in terms of if he's going back or if he's going forward or anything like that. Um, So after February 19th, I expect him to be with this team. Um, and that's- which you give
3: him eight days before the 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 opener against FC, which ain't a lot of time to get match fit and no, you know, up to speed, and you've got language issues and. All that as well. It's good. It's going to be an adjustment. So, I mean,
2: yeah, here's the good news. And as we move away from Costa, and again, we have we have pointed out where we think he is, where actually, listen, I'm just gonna tell you where I know he is, uh, where he's going, that type of thing. We think that's that's where everything's going to land. And he'll be in L.A. tomorrow. Um, I'm sure you can pick up the COG uh, Twitter feed in the morning. I'm sure I'll be I'll be tracking it as it as he crosses from uh, from Houston to L.A. as well. Um, so as we sort of do that and and, and get that. There is something to talk about in terms of cohesiveness and in terms of team whenever we talk about the Galaxy's win. Now, a 4-0 win for the LA Galaxy over the New England Revolution, the defending Supporters Shield Champions, all in preseason. It doesn't mean anything, right? I will not get excited about a preseason game. Uh, two goals from Kevin Cabral, one on either side of the half, uh, and then you had a goal from uh, Jovalich as well in the 63rd minute. Just three minutes since he came onto the field as well. Sasha Kleshin basically got his first uh, touch and feed to uh, to Jovalich as well. So that was that. Uh, Chicharito got an assist. Arajo got an assist. I mean, really, when you look at it, I don't think you get more excited about the guys who are making plays or the guys who you need to make plays. And we sort of said this in the first two games. The guys who are scoring goals are the guys who you wanted to be scoring goals. It's like, this is probably, it's not a bunch of defenders um, scoring scoring here, Christian, you know, from what I can see. Um, yeah,
3: it's not, the, it's not the set piece dead ball and the odd scramble, excluding the own goal, but which was created from the, the, uh, inspiration of Ephraim. And, and I think it's, I mean, you know, it, it's a, a point I think you're making it. And it's a very good point because, you know, it, Cabral last year just didn't hit on the all cylinders. He was off color. He was, you know, lightweight on the ball. And this, I mean, I know it's only preseason and I, and I know we're not going to get excited, I swear, but. He looked much more confident. He looked a little bulkier, uh, more muscular, more confident, that's for sure. And goals will give you that. I think that's what, three goals in preseason? But yeah, he, he definitely looked apart. And I think, you know, we've sat in on enough of these press calls from Greg Vanny, who's just emphasized he is so happy to have players from day one as opposed to, you know, trying to do things on the fly as they did last year when he had about four or five players which is you know half almost half of your first team coming in the middle of the season and, and trying to adjust and you know acclimate from foreign cultures so this is you know it, as far as a preseason game you look you don't get excited but you couldn't have asked for it to go any better and you couldn't have asked more of the players to score and the right players to contribute than we did and and the players that you want to have meaningful contributions really did so in a, in a bright and emphatic way.
2: Yeah, they, they did. Um, and if you want something that really doesn't matter at all, I have your preseason goal leaders. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Ke- Kevin Cabral, with his two goals, takes over the lead with three uh, for Mutatu has two goals, Revelison uh, Ravellison, one Dunbar, one Alvarez, one Chicharito, one Grant one and Jovalich one. So those are your preseason goal scores so far. I will say this third straight game. Christian as well. Third straight game, the LA galaxy have scored three or more goals. Um, I think they scored five in the first one, five, four, and then they had Mm -hmm. a three, nothing, and then they have a four, nothing. Uh, So two back-to-back shutouts as well, um, which I think we'll talk about the defense here in in just a middle. Hey, Christian, why don't you turn your camera off and turn it back on? Just hit the camera button and see if it'll refresh and come back for us here in a second. Or if we lose you completely, um, that's always a possibility as well. So, um, Yep, there we go. Okay, Um, so uh here's what we have whenever we're looking at the starting lineup. Um, and everything that was going on with the LA Galaxy. You had Jonathan Bond in the uh, in the goal. Uh, you had Kelvin Leardam uh, playing at the right back position. You had Sega Koulibaly and Nick DePew in the center. Uh, you had Raheem Edwards out on the left hand side. We'll talk about that here in a seven. Uh, Kevin Cabral on the right. Mark Delgado uh, Ravellison in the center as well. Samuel Grant Sir on the left midfield side. Then you technically had Victor Vasquez playing in the cam role as he does. I'm going to talk about the switch offs that were happening. It's something that definitely is a question for me for for Greg Vanny next time I talk to him. Um, yeah. but you have Victor Vasquez and they had Chicharito up top. Now, uh, if I do this correctly and I re- and I look at this and sort of say, okay, where was everybody? They were playing more in like a 4-2-3-1. Um, Mm -hmm. But when you say that Vasquez, Chicha and Cabral all were able to switch with each other uh, and Mm -hmm. did a lot. I think Cabral played a little more wing than we've probably seen him since last season was started a lot of his runs outside, which was good. Mm -hmm. Started his runs from a little bit deeper as well, which was good. Um, And both of his finishes, um, by the way, was just see, that's whenever you're talking about the ability to switch. Uh, Chicha had dropped back into the midfield in order to get the ball. He had moved forward. Chicha, and then there was a, then there was a turnover, um, on the left mm-hmm. shorthand side, a quick turnover. Chicha gets the ball. He turns and there's Cabral already making the run. Great pass from Chicha. Have to give him that because the space doesn't get open. Cabral with the perfect touch, calm, collected, uh, complete efficiency and movement, which with him, I sometimes feel like there's a lot of wasted movement. Like there, he's moving, but why is he moving and what is he doing? Efficiency and movement only touched the ball a number of times he needed to and got rid of it as soon as he needed to and fired in past the goalkeeper. So, I mean, when we look at just the 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 build up to that play, Christian, how everything sort of played out, um, I don't know that the Galaxy could ask for anything more with Chicha being a provider, with Mark Delgado being in there. I think Raheem Edwards may have also been on that side on the turnover as well. Uh, there mm-hmm. was a lot of pinching. I, it, it was perfect for me. That, that's how it should look.
3: Yeah, it, it- I, you know I thought that we saw a lot of, of good movement from Cabral last year and I thought he put himself in great positions, but you know, his Achilles heel was always the end product and 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 it wasn't so much his first touch. I always thought he put himself in great positions. It was his second touch and his decision making. and that has a lot to do with you know learning confidence and and just growth and and that's where we've seen the biggest increase exponentially. so it, from the end of last season towards the first few, uh, games into this preseason nice to see and, and it, it's something that you know we it also plays to the strengths of likes of a Chicharito because how many times do we see him drop and into a deeper role trying to facilitate matters and trying to find the game especially when you know there is a dearth of playmaking creativity in the center of the park underneath those strikers and that's what's caused Chicharito to come and try and find the game and almost facilitate and play that role of, of creative playmaker something that we're probably going to see a lot of him, I expect uh, here in 2022 to do that. And when you have a player like Cabral that can run off of him like that, I think that really is going to play into that interchangeability that you were just talking about, but it's also going to play into interchangeability with other guys, you know, like we talked about with Grand Siri even question able to make lick runs and Revelis. you know, I think is going to be, you know, more of that number eight guy this year than, than we saw last year. So yeah, I, I was really pleased with, with the end product. I mean, that's the thing that really stood out and, Nice to see that understanding between Chicha and, and, and Cabral, the youngster, I'm I'm sure Chicha has become somewhat of a mentor for him, so bright signs.
2: Yeah, the, the the interchangeability is really interesting to me because you had Vasquez who would sometimes be that upper up top link as Chicha dropped back a little bit. Vasquez would move up into that and occupy that, that forward space, um, which I think is a great space for him as well. I mean, you have a very creative guy on the ball. That's that's mm-hmm. you want him on the ball, right? You need him on the ball. Quite honestly, he is one of those guys who is going to be your central attacking midfielder. And so you sort of need him in positions to make a difference and make plays um, when he's up top like that. I don't see him as a goal scorer. I still see him as a provider, right? Which is, yeah, if you're gonna find him in that advanced position, he's gonna get the ball and he's gonna turn and he's gonna distribute to somebody that's going to be for the goal uh, most of the time, um, unless somebody just sort of you know gives him that that uh, that yeah, that opening.
3: He, he's he's interesting because he has that tendency to float wide and you know drift out wide, is predominantly on the right hand side. So. technically, you know, Vasquez is as good as anybody, but it just doesn't seem to be in his natural inclination and the way to play to to just occupy that traditional number 10 role, which I I think he has the technical skills to actually accomplish and play, but it just doesn't seem to come naturally to him. He seems to be more comfortable, you know, drifting wide, predominantly on the right or even on the left at times, and and try and play those long balls, play the diagonal as well, which will be good in stretching defenders. But uh, still, I think it... Points to, you know, a glaring issue that you you were talking about and, you know, people have talked about on Discord and Twitter is that there is a lack of creativity just a little bit underneath. Um, Having the bite of a guy like Delgado, which for me is just, I mean, I'm so happy that we have a player like that now (laughs) because I've been screaming for it for about four or five years. Yep you know, to have a, tr- he's an out and out number six, he can get fired. You know, he and Ravellison are going to interchange, but he has the bite and we need the spine and he is going to be, you know, the, the, the foundation of that midfield from which they build upon and build their transition. And he's a guy that is, that's, that plays to his strengths. And you, you go back to the, the comments from Greg Vanny after the game, he's a guy that, you know, He doesn't good. He's not good dwelling on the ball, but the way he can transition from defense to attack and something he prides himself on, he can do what two players done in one position.
2: Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. Greg called him the great balancer, right? Or he's, he's he's a time creator, right? He creates time for other players. So I, you know, having heard Greg say this on Thursday, I was very much like, I'm just going to sit here in one of the Great things about going to watch live soccer—you can just stare at one player. You don't have to watch where the ball yeah. is; just watch him move. Uh, so I watched uh, Mark Delgado, um, which, by the way, that, that's a man. Okay, Mark Delgado is a mm-hmm. man. I can't call him Marky. No Delgado. more Marky. No Mark. No more Marky. He's he's a man. And no more. Yeah, he's maybe twenty six, <laughs> but he's he's still a man. Um, I still
3: remember him back in his day when they used to call him broccoli when he was <laughs> back at the old Chivas Youth Academy. And he had this he, giant hair.
2: That's I mean, it, he's and, and Greg's talked about him. Um, Greg talked about, you know, uh, IDing him at that time and sort of saying, man, he just the work rate that he puts in. And that's what you yeah. saw. I mean, the L.A. Galaxy and it's something they haven't done in a while. Again, preseason game. I won't get excited about it. I thought New England was horrible. I thought their midfield was completely oh, yeah. out of sync. I thought that their offense was out of sync. They looked out of sync from defense all the way to the front. Uh, and while uh, I think Kobe was suggesting that perhaps Bruce was brucing this game a little bit, um, I would also <laughs> say that Bruce probably didn't want to lose 4 nothing either. And so it was yeah. it was one of those where, yeah, Bruce probably was like, hey, go out there and give it the old college try, but also don't get embarrassed.
3: How about you guys play? Um, they were dreadful, Josh. They were. I mean, they were horrible and it kind of feeds into that anti legit narrative too but <laughs> it that's was, ridiculous but they were I mean I was I was actually very shocked at how how sluggish and slow I mean they were still in the offseason you yeah. still perhaps the supporter shield hangover I don't know
2: yeah I mean you know it's not like they had to go to an MLS cup to, to get over right they oh. got some they got some rest time um yeah oh yeah the, the cockiness that comes from a four nothing win in this preseason let me tell you um <laughs> so um but no you saw that but I, I you know I thought Mark Delgado controlled that midfield. Yeah. I thought Reve- Vellison controlled that midfield. I thought, um, you know, anytime oh, New that. England tried to penetrate through the center that Delgado plugged a lot of the lanes and they look confused. It almost looked, by the way, I was watching Sebastian LeJet play a little bit just to sort of see what was going on. It was almost looked like he was afraid to pass the ball backwards because he forced so many passes into bad places and different things. I was like, yep, so they're, they're in his head already. Um, mm. and so everybody was sort of like he's like don't pass the ball backwards and in, in, in LA not not right now because <laughs> that's what everybody says and it felt like that was um, that was sort of one of the things coming and Mr. Provino points it out you know the Champions League is coming soon for them as well and they they're, they're they need to uh, they need listen it was one preseason game again let's not put let's not say that they're a horrible team you might have to play them in the in in the postseason sometime I'm sure that they'll be much better whenever that happens I still expect them to be a very good team Josie Altador is down on the bench by the way pl- pretending to hide but not really um, so that was, that was an interesting part of that, but, uh, Mark Delgado for me was just such a fun guy to watch in this sort of yeah. setup and and everything. Now we talked about how just absolutely poor new England was. And having said that they created probably three or four really dangerous chances and they probably should have scored on two or three of them. Um, yeah. and so when you look at a four nothing and you want to talk about the defense, I mean, We can say back-to-back shutouts. One was against an NISL team, so we'll push that one aside. Uh, The other one was against a team that absolutely should have scored but didn't because they were inept for whatever reason on the night. Uh, The Galaxy's defense was slow to react. Uh, they They pushed into some bad areas. I think Greg talked about it again You know, and he was he was more calm, I think, than everybody else who was sort of watching a four nothing game, you know, and saying, oh, get excited about it. He was like, no, you know, we're happy for Kevin. Uh, You know, we're happy for guys like Jovo. By the way, Jovo scored the hardest goal of the game. Um, Just amazing that we'll talk about that here in a second. But he was saying, you know, I think the things that we still need to work on is, you know, this team needs to understand and realize the danger they put themselves in and be able to keep themselves out of that. They have to minimize mistakes. And he's talking about defense, but he's not talking about the back line. He's talking about the back line and the midfield. And how the wingers come back and support in the defense and different things like that. There were times there where the danger bell was ringing and the Galaxy were not reacting to that danger bell. And uh, and again, they should have. You know, easily they should have scored. A couple goals, and and I think that's still a big concern right now. Even with, and we'll point this out, Raheem Edwards is probably not the starting left back. Jorge Vianya probably is still mm-hmm. that guy, just in terms of reliability. Uh, and I can't even say that with him being injured, but the the veteran presence there is is Jorge Vianya, stay at home left back for the most part. Uh, and then on the right side, uh, a guy who had just come back from Mexico camp. Uh, Julian Rajo should be starting in place of Leardam, whether or not uh-huh. Leardam then moves inside and takes over for either Koulibaly or Nick Depew. And then Derek Williams was missing. So Derek Williams was diagnosed with a f- like first grade or low grade calf strain. Uh, Greg says he was hopeful that he would get him back and integrated in training this week um, and that they were just being careful with it and wanted to make sure that he he rested. But this is sort of becoming thing with him so we'll just keep an eye on that and then you have Jorge Viafania who's still dealing with the knee contusion he had last year um, yeah and Greg says he's 90 95 percent but there's still a couple movements where he feels it and they're trying to make sure that he doesn't feel that that knee contusion and it's just like that's that's a rough road for that guy he's mm. been the whole off season uh last game was november 7th by the way just in case you were trying to remember when that was the galaxy actually played hasn't played all these months and gets into preseason and still isn't 100 percent back and ready to go so um that defense is missing starters too
3: christian and he was out if you recall you know towards the tail end of the season when he lost his spot for the last seven eight ten games something as such so that's a little concerning here and you can throw in his age It, it, it is a little concerning and Fullback has been such a big issue for the galaxy for the last five or six years. But um, it, it, Lear Dam coming in, thought he did a good job. I thought Araujo was magnificent. I mean, just strength of strength. The kid is, it, despite MLS and what they've trained their talking heads to say about the five best fullbacks and right backs in Major League Soccer, Julian Araujo, hands down, in that list, if not at the top of that list, right. and we say all day long,
2: yeah. No. Nope. But yeah, he was.
3: It was great to see him co, uh, come on, and um, it, it's interesting to see the comments and about the defensive issues you, you talked about here. And, and, and Vanny outlined like three things. You know, you don't give the way the ball away in vulnerable areas, which was something that was just, you know, recurring constantly and constantly last season in the transition defending. Had to be a little bit better, and and overall just trying to stay connected in collective shape. And I, I've said this. You know, I've said this for the last three or four years. The Galaxy are too easy to get at. Right. You you press at a half-point line, you're running downhill, and you don't give your back four a chance because they're running right down your throat, and there's been nothing to buffer that. And that's something that Vanny, I think, is saying here that collectively as a whole, it's got to start. It doesn't start with the back four. And you can sit there and blame all your goals and the poor defensive record, and it has been poor. I'm not defending the record, but what I'm defending is how it's not exactly all the back four's fault here. They get no support, no protection. And, you know, once that ball is turned over in a vulnerable area, putting themselves in positions to defend better and also their intensity to pursue and try and win it back. You know, we're not talking about a gig and pressing. We're just talking about a basic team shape to, you know, to be harder to play against. And I think that's kind of what they need to be right now. And that was the main area that he targeted for improvement. And that, to me, is... You know, going to be the sinker swim point. This team's going to get goals. We know that, right? I mean, goal scorers abound. And with Costa coming in, that even bodes better. But if, if he can hit the strides that we think he can. So uh, there are some issues at the back that are a little concerning uh, for me.
2: Yeah, it, uh, it, it's still one of those things. Again, I, I did think it was interesting. And I kind of like what Vanny was doing. He had Julian Araujo, who was relatively fresh. I know he played, you know, about sixteen minutes, or or let's see, was it sixteen minutes, or was it a little more than that? Maybe it was twenty-eight minutes, something like that, in that in that Mexico World Qualifier game. Oh yeah, he came of yeah. like that. Yeah, it was something yeah.
3: late. The second so half, midway yeah. the second half. Yeah. yeah,
2: and so so he got he got the end of that. So he definitely had fresh legs. You could have started Julian Araujo at right back. Why didn't Greg Vanny start Araujo with that first team? And that was absolutely a first team start in terms of everybody who I have available, the best I have available is going on this field. That's what Greg Vanny put out with that lineup. There wasn't guys like he held in reserve, like he was going to play for the second 45. He was putting, why was Julian Araujo not there? It's because he has been away from the team and he wanted Mm -hmm. that cohesiveness that has been building in training the last couple of weeks. He wanted to get this win... He wanted these guys to feel the confidence and Julian Araujo is great. And you saw him come in and again, dynamic, he just, and playing against the second team sort of in another New England, year, you know, just another level. He, he is hyped up he had some great crosses in there. Um, You know, there was a lot of really good, his, the the own goal was part of his, a little bit of his production in there. FRI got in there. Jalen Neal on that second team, sort of putting, uh, putting his stamps, Jalen Neal almost got two goals. uh, And I don't think he touched either (laughs) one of the balls, but they almost, one of them did go in as the own goal. And one of them also, uh, also was like real close to being in there. And he he was, he was right now. So Jalen Neal causing a lot of problems. And I thought Jalen played well on defense for his little bit of time there as well. So, um i was happy. I'm a huge with that. fan
3: of his I, i've had a chance to catch him at g2 the last uh, a lot of times last season he missed a lot of it out and you know i I had a chance to you know talk with the previous coaching regime at, at g2 and, and the kid's potential Jalen neal is immense and there's no doubt he's going to be an mls player and some of these members of the previous coaching staff was also telling me you know it's it's not just mls this kid has the potential you know, we're not gonna get ahead of ourselves, but there is that possibility that you know this is a guy that could be you know making a move overseas someday if he continues his current trajectory. I'm not gonna get ahead of ourselves, but that's the right. type of talent that you're dealing with right here. And uh I, I think i it, am it's for me the, the quality that stands out with him is the calmness and composure on a ball for a kid his age. Yeah. And his command of the area and able to play out, he's he's that modern central defender that can play out of the back and i think that's the way vanny eventually wants to play and yep. i think vanny's got to be licking his chops having a player like that <laughs> he's not ready for prime time no nope, but I mean, he's I'm close not that but but, but- but Greg
2: talked about him already, and he was sort of yeah. like, I, I can see it in him. I can see, it. and uh, you know, uh, I was talking to Jalen's mom about it as well. And I'm like, I am I sort of sent okay. her the the clip of of Vanny doing talking about Jalen. She's like,
3: great Twitter f- uh, follow too, by the way. Right,
2: right. Um, yeah. Ga- Galaxy Mom, right? It's, it's yeah, G-L-X. Galaxy Poor Mom, I think yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but you can go see. I, I sent her that, and I'm like, I'm like, Greg's high on Jalen. I mean, listen, I am a sucker for defenders. Everybody knows this. I will root yeah. on a defender the whole time. Um, I think there's still some serious questions. I think there's no doubt in my mind that jalen neal is going to get first team minutes this year uh, yeah. and really get a chance to prove himself and once he gets there if he starts playing the way that i think we have seen him play you may not be able to get him off the field it, he might be one of those players where like you put him out there and he gets some exposure and then maybe the second time he comes back you're like why would why would i take him off the field it's one of those it's like who yeah you know and we'll see he's young he's young
3: and i could see very young see it, very be, and that's that's a position that requires so much understanding and reading, Ben. After watching him, you know, it was, it's funny that the, the mistakes that are made of players in that position of his age, he doesn't make those mistakes. Now, right. granted, he's not, you know, infallible. Some of the mistakes that I saw him make, you know, which were very, very few at G2, were a situation where he was almost too calm on the ball, you know, right. and, and, and too composed and, and dwelled on it perhaps a little bit long. But that's something that can be eradicated really easy, which I think i've already seen you know that kind of come out of his game and that's just intriguing to me and that's where he stands apart but you know it's one thing we got to throw in here too with such a compact condensed schedule there's going to be a lot more squad rotation this year i think than we saw even with the craziness of covid so that will open the door further um for players like neil you know to to make meaningful contributions as well as you know this the squad is going to be tested in terms of depth this season well, kind of like we had in the last couple of seasons, but I think this year specifically with the condensed measure, the schedule, you know, things moved up a, a month. Yep. U- uh, the U.S. Op- US Open, U.S. Cup, top.
2: yeah, U.S. Open Cup is going to come back into and, yes. and play parts as well. So I mean, you you got that. I'm a fan. Yeah. Um. So so you're going to see that. Uh, I want to talk about uh, one of the other things, and and by the way. Uh, quickly on Raheem Edwards and sort of that I thought he was very good going forward I mm-hmm. liked his uh, you know it, it's not just all speed with him I like the I like the the lanes that he chooses to run in it's not mm-hmm. always like so right on the touchline it's cut inside sometimes it's you know he varies sort of the attack and the way that he goes about running up that side my only thing is that he is absolutely a wing back and whenever he's a wing back that means that you have no cover on that left back side and we saw some of that happening getting exposed in that game that was where a lot of the attacks came were up that left-hand side when Raheem got caught forward listen it's a story as old as time for the LA Galaxy which is press forward Julian Araujo does it on the right-hand side too he'll run forward and then he won't be able to get back in time somebody won't cover his position you had Efrain Alvarez sometimes running back and trying to play defense not his strong suit um so you know then you start getting beat and it's like beat one guy beat another guy and then all of a sudden there's a there's a shot on goal and a goal so um, you know, I like Raheem Edwards. I like where he's at. I would still like a stay at home left back more than anything. Um, but you know, Hey, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, Edwards is probably going to get a lot of times if, if via continues to sort of have injury, uh, concerns.
3: Or, I mean, I'm just throwing this out here, Josh, it brings that tactical flexibility. And we just talked about, you know, a guy like Neil, who's probably going to see some first team minutes this season. You know, you go to a three back setup. You've got a prototypical wing back, one of the best in North America, with you know Julian Araujo, and right. you throw in a player like Leerdam, or rather Edwards. Who can really play that role on the left-hand side, and that opens up to a different scheme that you know could be a Plan B.
2: Well, I mean, you know, you can even go like you said. You talked about Jalen. You can also talk about Leardam, bringing him inside because he can yeah. play. He can play in that center back. Listen, in my mind right now, my starting mind, and I didn't get this on on Saturday because Araujo wasn't ready to play in the first team. But in my mind right now, Leardam may be the second center back. Uh, that plays with Williams. And I kind of like that a little bit in my head. I I haven't seen it yet, but in my head, I like the look of that. And I like the experience and the composure and the things that that brings when it's not, listen, I like Nick Depew. I think he is head and shoulders above Sega Kulibaly right now. So I will say, you know, Nick is there um, in that conversation, but I have a feeling Lear Dam is gonna end up being that second center back. I've said it on the show many times. People are it's probably never gonna happen, but I'm gonna say it for the entire year. Um, because Greg Vanny pointed it out when we were talking to him about Leardam is that he could come in and play that position.
3: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think we're going to see minutes there. That's the big, you know, X factor. Who's gonna be the partner with Williams who you think is gonna be the out and out starter? You know, will he go to the three back setup? But yeah, I am not I, I love Sega Koulibaly's energy, but The mistakes are very concerning and I'm not a hundred percent sold on him.
2: No, no. Um, passing out of the back is a problem. Uh, got Mm -hmm. caught a couple times, uh, in, in the game doing that. Uh, he can be caught. He can get pressured off the ball. You you see it happen. And then the back, back shoulder runs, which we talked about last year, is that he tends to forget there's people running behind his back shoulder, <laughs> um, and then he gets beat there. So again, it's just stuff to work on and things. The only other yeah. person I sort of wanted to highlight before we get done, uh, two guys. One, Sasha Kleshin gets in the game and makes oh. one pass, and of course, he springs Jovalich in. And then, as I said, uh, Jovalich scored the hardest goal. Kevin Cabral had the most flair, I think, on that second goal where he sort of hit it with the uh, the back heel. Uh, the mm. back. He redirected it back across the goal, which by the way, perfect place for him to do that. And I love the confidence that comes into in oh, with yeah. that. Such a huge boost for the box for the, office. Yeah, for that young man. But Jovilich had the hardest goal. Um Sasha Kleshn yeah. played him in and then he was basically uh, in a race to get to the ball with the other I think it was either center back or the or the left back who was trying to chase mm. him in uh, and his body positioning was so good he kept, he shielded and took a step towards that defender and kept the, kept his body between him and the ball and then he still was able to get himself set and fire and that's a right-footed shot across his body with a goalkeeper coming out a lot of times you have a tendency to want to try to uh, hit that towards the center of the goal more than you want to hit it out towards the post. And he fought that tendency and sort of swiped across a little bit and had that ball curve out and go away from the goalkeeper and hit side netting on the left hand side. It's a, uh, it was a good angle from the press box. I was looking like right down it whenever it happened. So it was one of those where you're like, oh, I can see the whole play. Um, and when he hit it, I was like, wow, that's just such a great body positioning. And again. We're talking about the guy who was second in goals and assists per per ninety last year was Yovlic mm-hmm. behind Chicharito. Um, so the kid comes onto the field, he's in for three minutes and he scores a goal. Um, yeah. As Scott, he's a finisher, yeah, as Scott French says, that means he should have finished with twenty or thirty goals in that second half, right? You score one every three minutes or, or yeah. one, every, one every minute. Um, so, uh, but yeah, just I love that development in him, and I think he is going to play a huge part in this team this year. I just there's something about him I'm feeling that Jovo oh, yeah. is going to be yeah. a great, great uh player for the galaxy
1: this year.
3: Yeah, he's he's not the guy that's going to you know beat you for pace and run and you know, run in behind, he's not that kind of guy, but he, he's a guy that you know can pick a spot, has good strength, excellent technique, and, and we saw his finishing prowess there. I'm <laughs> sasha question you know doing the the pre zidane treatment and i thought it was just fantastic coming off the bench and, and giving him a burst of energy class and you know one touch passing that really able to transition into attack really well i thought he also had a great relationship with araujo so you know that bodes well good signing i think too for bringing sasha back not just as, a, as, as you guys have talked on the pod before as a locker room guy but Right, you know the guy brings a lot onto the field here and you know, arguably one of the top performers of the galaxy you know down the stretch last season so nice to see him off and running and you know fresh legs coming in and, and adds a different dimension and, and class to the attack
2: yeah he he really does I want to get to um, some super chats before we uh, we sort of get to the last couple things um, The herb
3: Memorial super chat
2: yeah no herb by the way there's there's a uh, hmm. there's there's a conspiracy theory that is going on in our discord about herb um that has shooken me to my core um i I said on last shows that i'm pretty sure that i have a sugar daddy in herb um but everybody now has just made the connection that perhaps herb isn't just herb perhaps herb is herb all life herbal life um and maybe maybe we've been shadow sponsored by herbal life this entire time i mean you know, maybe they're the ones who are going to buy the COG corporate jet. I don't know. Should I? I I almost feel like I need a need a full investigation now. Maybe a, a senatorial committee or something like that. Well, uh, yeah,
3: but you'll be preoccupied with your Ontario Fury podcast. That's, too, that's
2: a spinoff. Right? That, that, so that's true. I don't we're gonna have time for that. I'm gonna jump right on it. Um, <laughs> David David gave us a five dollar super chat and says, "Are we uh, being cautious, or are we so snake bit? We're automatically pessimistic about new players." Um, I would say yeah. that people are very much a uh, are, are they want to put players in a box, Christian. They want to put them in this box. This is a young player. He's a developing yeah. player. This is a great player. He's at his peak and this is an old player. He's well past his prime and you're probably wasting money on him. I think the fact that you know, the galaxy have sort of gone through some of those machinations before Giovanni dos Santos left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. It's going to take a while, maybe 40 or 50 years before people stop talking about Giovanni dos Santos and sort of what he brought <laughs> to the galaxy. I, I don't see that's not a wound that is going to heal quickly unless the galaxy can figure out how to win like an MLS cup in the next like two or three years to sort of wipe that from everybody's uh, everybody's. Yeah. memory.
3: So, I mean, is that do you do you there is a tendency to hate everything that comes out though, well, right? It did leave a bitter taste, and I can understand the trepidation. You know, you you kind of view view any incoming move with a sense of skepticism. Now, certainly, a player going back full circle here to like Douglas Costa, he fits that MO as players that you know had a lot of accolades and great success, but haven't really done much lately here. You throw in the injury problems and and the questions of motivation, and attitude, so. And it kind of feeds into that negativity and pessimism. Um, that's one way of looking at it. And it's justifiably so because, you know, when you talk about the players that have been more missed than hit, there's plenty of them and we don't need to go down that list, but there is no way to guarantee this. And you have to put your faith into this coaching staff here and put your faith into what they have done. And now Douglas Colsta comes onto the scene and, um, you know it's it's 50 50 for me yeah. josh there and i understand that trepidation and why you would be guarded about it i don't think you can f- let that envelop you and become pessimistic at the outlook because then it just becomes self-defeating um i think you have to go you know with, with i'm a glass half full guy so i i think you know you're trying to hope for the best here it's a gamble and you hope for the best and try and get the most out of it and a lot of it comes down to the, the man management and motivational capabilities right. of this coaching staff and, and this team as a whole. Can they get the best out of these incoming players? And case in point, will be Douglas Costa will be a real test of that. Type of acumen, I think.
2: I'm I'm kind of excited just to see it's it's kind of like an accident on the freeway. Like you don't know what's up there, but you know you're going to look. You know you're going to slow down, and you're sort of Uh there's like this anxiousness. You're like, what is that? I need to see what that is, and I feel like that's what it is with Douglas Costa. Is is it could be a train wreck? It could be bad. And that's going to be a whole, I mean, listen, this podcast does fine. Whether the LA galaxy are really good or whether the LA galaxy are really bad. Plenty for us to talk about either way. I would, I am always on the side. I want players to succeed right and I will always be on that side of things so if I'm biased towards anything is I want people to succeed um, and so hopefully that's the that's the case As Douglas Costa comes in and he's an absolute success and the LA Galaxy suddenly are rocketed once again back up to the top of the Western Conference and you know there's worldwide attention because Douglas Costa is playing well uh, and he's scoring goals and he's feeding Chicharito and there's that that build on that add on sort of uh, fame and and notoriety that comes because of that and people are excited to come out to see an LA Galaxy they got a Brazilian they they got this Brazilian Douglas Costa, which probably most people in L.A. have never heard of. Um, and yeah, exactly. You have your Brazil shirt on. Um, so anyway, so that's something. Here's uh, Stefan says, uh, gives us $10 and says, what happened to a number 10? And it's funny because I almost feel like Costa's going to be wearing the number 10. I feel like he's going to come in and get that 10 yeah. shirt. Um, and will But he's he, not a 10. But he's not a 10. He probably won't play in the center. But I was going to say, as I knock things over everywhere, um, <laughs> If if could you play him in the cam? Could you play him in that role?
3: I have seen him play, you know, wide on the left and wide on the right. I don't see him as a 10. Right. I don't I just don't think that's his skill set and then there has also been a knock on, on on Douglas Costa who's that he's all pace and right. then he's able to beat his man one and you know there's some criticism that's gone as far as to say he's a one trick pony and now, now that is you know he's getting a little bit longer in the years now that you know perhaps that pace has deteriorated has he been able to evolve his game like um, we've seen other great players that have lost those faculties and those abilities, like Cristiano Ronaldo, for instance, who you know had to adapt his game because of his deteriorating abilities to beat players on that burst of pace. Does Costa has he evolved in that same respect? No, right. he has not. I don't see him as a number ten. I you know I, I still see him as a guy who has a lot to offer in terms of you know raw speed and athletic ability. He could drop that shoulder, a la Kobe Jones, and you know blow by somebody and create something. Um, will we get enough of those moments? That's the question, but he he will bring a versatility. I mean, cause he's, you know, we've seen him play left he played left for, for Bayern at times and for Juve. Um, so yeah, it will bring that extra dimension of tactical flexibility as well. But in terms of underneath, no, and that, and that continues to be an issue, you know, as, as far as, you know, holes that need to be filled.
2: I, you know, it almost feels a little bit like Bruce Arena, though. I mean, the Galaxy didn't really have a ten for sometimes. It was Landon Donovan, it was Robbie Keane, it was David Beckham, right? It yeah. was it was these guys where they would not play in that center spot and not create from that center spot, but there was enough creativity from from the wings that they were yeah. able to do what they needed to do. So, I mean, that's what you're looking I don't think
3: at. It's, and I don't think it's really an advantage philosophy to play with a 10 personally.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not. And, and maybe that's why he's not concerned about it um, yeah. at all. Uh, we'll see if he wants to talk about Douglas Costa on our next call, uh, which will be fun. I enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed him saying now. Just make time. sure it's your first question. That's right. I'm, I'm going to definitely try to make sure uh, <laughs> uh, of that. Uh, I'm sure he gets, I'm sure he's like, Oh, it's Josh again. He's either going to ask me about injuries or Douglas Costa. Um Ben gave he us he knows it's
3: coming. It's always the same characters, right? It's he, he
2: knows like, me. He's he he understands that I have to ask the question. Um, it, absolutely. Ben, five dollar super chat says thanks for the aviation geeking out. Uh much appreciated. <laughs> he said, Is that a DC ten or a seven sixty seven? It's a seven sixty seven three hundred. Uh, and the reason I can tell you that is that the DC-10 had a third engine that was on the uh, tail, uh, and this is a, as we call it, a two-holer, not a three-holer. So um, this is Ooh, a seven sixty okay. seven three hundred. Yeah, just leave that one alone. That's that's a I'm not that's touching a, that one. It, it's about the engines, Christian. It's about the engines. Coming from the
3: guy with the kitten bone shirt on. It, it's
2: it, this is a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> kit, and I I love it. I enjoy what, you,
3: yeah, what's that all about
2: there? It's I it's it's they ran it last year. Sort of a community kit. They do like they do versions of color schemes that are sort of of link to it and different things um uh by the way uh lucio gives us a five dollar super chat and says glad i was able to catch the show live thanks for my weekly galaxy fix you're welcome let's go to douglas costa and the douglas costa tracker this was about five is. minutes ago uh douglas costa getting closer to uh the tip of south america there take the plane taking yeah. a uh, a little bit of a turn towards uh houston in this particular one so a little bit more northwest northwesterly we would say now the funny thing is christian uh, as we are taught in math, so many times, uh, the shortest point between two distances is a straight line. Right? That's that's what we're always told. I think so. Except if you're flying, um, and especially and, 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 yes. and those
3: parents out there doing Common Core math may not know that either. So. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. The new math. Uh,
2: it's a lot of it's a lot of. Uh, uh, stuff that's another right. podcast. It is, um, but <laughs> it, it's not true in aviation. Actually, the shortest points between two, uh, the shortest distance between two points is actually a curved line. Uh, Whenever it comes to the globe, because a globe obviously is curved, right? So it's technically a curved line, but your heading would technically keep changing. So we fly headings like a magnetic heading. And whenever we fly north, that's like 360. That's what we call 360 degrees. Uh, If we fly south, it's 180, right? So you just sort of divide that up into, into... 10 degree, five degree sections. That's how we fly whenever we fly. Um, In this particular case, it would, you know, you're flying a northerly heading, but by the time you get to Houston, you're probably turning enough that you're flying more of a northwest or a westerly heading because it's a curved line and you're, plane actually does keep continuing to turn and curve as you're as you're doing these things also um it's worth pointing that pointing out that whenever you're doing long-haul flights or anything like that uh you would think that you would just go between two points but there's a bunch of little points that they make you fly to in between um sort of like roadways in the sky uh that are inefficient and hopefully will go away someday but that's where it is right now so anyway that's uh that's up on the douglas costa tracker i just wanted to make sure that we got you know the last one i know i know a lot of stuff in there um I wanted to get to one more thing and just touch on this a little bit. And the only reason I want to touch on this is because it was oh, in the boy. news last week. We were talking about. We had to bring it. it up. I, here's the thing um, is that we try to be um, as open and honest about things that we can when we know what's going on. And so sometimes we have to ask questions. So sometimes we don't know what's going on. Sometimes, you know, what we think is going on isn't really what's going on. Here's the thing is that uh, Christian, the <laughs> Boca came out and basically blamed the LA Galaxy, saying the LA Galaxy had a deal for them and then they didn't take them and it's all their fault and we could have sold them and now we're stuck with them and now we're not going to get any money and it's the Galaxy's fault. That was Raquel May, who's I think the vice president of Boca, a uh, former player as well. Um, so Raquel May went out there and sort of blasted the LA Galaxy, which by the way, I don't think the LA Galaxy are losing any sleepover. I don't think that that was you know, actually a thing. Uh, Christian Pavone's agent went to Twitter basically and said, Um, and talked to everybody, uh, and said that uh, the last time the LA Galaxy even had contact with Christian Pavone, directly with Christian Pavone, was February 10th of 2021. That's last February. So the idea and by the way, that was after the allegations came out against Christian Pavone, the rape allegations. So the, the galaxy were still interested in this at one point, but that's, this is after this is the last time they had any conversations with Christian Pavon, which would be needed in order to secure the player, right? There's always two points parts to a transfer. The mm-hmm. teams have to agree. The player has to agree to the new team. Um, so there's always that, that thing, uh, his his agent went on and said, um, basically, Boca twice rejected the LA Galaxy proposal. They have the right, but they are the ones who are responsible, Boca, not the LA Galaxy. Now, it's a well-known fact that the that Boca and Christian Pavone do not get a aw- do not get along and do not like each other. Um, and so that's not a surprise that they're going in there. But I sort of took this and I went around and asked some questions, and I would feel that this is the this was the last time the Galaxy actually had contact with Christian Pavone was in February. Um, and that they may have decided by the way, uh, also that the re- offer was rejected twice, which means the LA galaxy were trying to acquire Christian bone with those allegations out there. That's a different story, different time. Um, look at this, but having said that is Boca had a chance. Boca overplayed their hand so many times in this whole negotiation where they oh, we can get $30 million for him. Oh, we can get $40 yeah. million for him. And it's like, it's not going to happen. There were a lot of people who were interested in him. Uh, I was talking to one person who said he, they wouldn't be surprised if Christian Pavone has already pre-signed a contract with somebody and is already gone. Um, and so at, be at, whenever your contract is within six months of expiring, you can sign a pre-contract. Uh, you don't have to make that official. You don't have to make that announcement. You don't have to sell, say who it is or where it's going to. Um, but they would said they would be surprised if he wasn't already
3: gone um, right now as we speak. Josh, so. it's, just, it's just reeks of sour grapes. I mean no disrespect to Juan Roman or Killma's was just a fantastic player back in his day but this I mean you said it right I just how much more could they get wrong about this transfer they had their chance now that six-month window now has opened up and we know from you know being around Christian when he was here while he did like his time here in LA his ultimate goal was to head overseas and now he's getting to that point in his career where you know he's probably 27-ish Right. That that move has to be made realistically if it's going to happen, and even Christian Bouna, you talk about the valuations and this extraordinary amount of money that Boca thought they were going to get, not going to happen because <laughs> Pavone Peak, the highest bid that came in rumored was from Arsenal back in you know two thousand eighteen or so after the World Cup,
2: right, which was about
3: twenty five, yeah, twenty five thirty like some
2: thirty. It was probably like twenty five million pounds, so around thirty yeah, something million dollars. I mean,
3: or, so, that, then this is peak Pavone, you know, who had been in the shop window and the world's biggest stage. So no, the the talks of 30 to 40 million, pure poppycock. It's ridiculous. And yes. now it's sour grapes. And now Boca, this is the set, this is the the side of mismanagement is going to get nothing for a player that they could have gotten, you know, double digit millions yeah, for. At absolutely. One point, and, so. and
2: by the way, the chat is correct. We had even talked about this: is that some LA Galaxy personnel, whether it was uh, Jovan Krawczyk or Chris Klein, were reportedly down in Argentina this year. All right, now I was told that that, that that didn't go well and nothing came of that, okay? That's what I heard. There was nothing there. And
3: Boca does have a reputation for being a little bit more of the disagreeable sort in regards to transfers, yes and
2: and so yes i think the la galaxy went there to possibly see if there was anything that they could do to sort of you know get this get this possibly um and maybe they were willing to take a risk on him with the allegations and everything or maybe eventually the allegations just were too much and they didn't want to um go that there was lots of rumors that the uh that the case was going to be dropped and it was going to go away that it doesn't look like it's happened despite i've seen people tweet it and talk about it i've just never heard anything official from anybody i've talked to that yes that's the case Um, So anyway, so that's where that's where we put it. So, yes, I believe the LA Galaxy were interested even this year. Uh, I just think that by that time, Boca had already sort of soured, soured the water with all that stuff. That was it was I remember talking to people during the negotiations before and they were like, it's just a nightmare trying to deal with them. There's too many people making decisions and there's too many like, oh, yeah, we'll agree to that. And then they come back. No, we're not going to agree with that. And
3: partial contracts and third ownership, which really have complicated matters, you know, going back to the days when Tevez was sold to West Ham. So. Does it make things a little easier? I don't know, Josh. I mean, I you know, I, I see the body language of, of Greg Vanny when and asked about this and on, on these press calls and these Zoom calls. I just don't think his heart is in it. I don't he think does.
2: he's interested. He doesn't sound like he's and interested. And he doesn't
3: want it. And that's just my opinion. I don't see him wanting that kind of player. You look at the roster that they have. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, it might be wishful thing. And all these twitdiots out here saying that Pavone's on his way based upon Nothing. Yeah. Why? It's, n- it's nothing. incredible. Wins. It's pure fiction.
2: Yeah. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pure fiction out there. That's what happens. I think somebody, uh, was linked to an RSL, uh, account or uh, an RSL player was Is like, oh, oh yeah. Was that the one where they were announced him as like, they're like this, this account uh, said, Oh, well he's going to be a DP and he's the replacement for us now. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I, I saw, saw I saw Trey was uh Trey who's in charge of the PR over there. I, I, Trey might even have a larger role now cause he went away and he came back. Uh, but Trey was out there going, go, yeah. could we get any journalists in there? Like to, to, to do something. <laughs> and I'm, I just wrote back I and I that. was like, I was like, congratulations on the DP Trey. <laughs> right. And he was just like, no, no, right. The whole deal. So, um, <laughs> So so yeah. I
3: mean, let's play best case scenario, Josh. Right. Let's say, with the rape allegations, and the case comes to its surmise, right, and it ends in a fashion that the galaxy could sign him, right. Would they want to sign him? And where would he fit fit in, I in mean, the scheme of this team? I think he would Is that sign. Something th- that you want right now? I
2: think he would sign him. If you weren't already getting Costa because then you'd have yeah. a winger and you could do basically the same thing yeah. you're going to do with Costa. I mean, there's a scenario where you sit there and say, listen, maybe a five million gamble on Costa is worth it if you get a one point six million Christian Pavone and it's like you sort of balance those two things and say, okay, well, yeah. you get Sam player and Pavone and a DP in Costa and you sort of say, okay, well there's enough talent there that something should happen. I mean, that's yeah. one of those things where you throw all the talent on the field and you say, go play now and see what happens. Right. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think there's some of that. Uh, by the way, David says is doing business with uh, uh river plate easier than doing business with Boca. What are South American negotiations like in general? I was talking to, um, there was a guy who ran Time Warner Deportes, Pablo, Pablo Arquisa. I think Pablo, Pablo
3: Pablo Arquisa. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just spoke to him today. (laughs)
2: Did you? I I love Pablo. He's great. Um, great. But he used to we used to have discussions all the time. He's from Argentina. um, And so we would have discussions all the time about different things. Uh, He was one of the guys who actually welcomed me into the TWC Deportes studio and showed me around. Great guy. Just amazing. Along with a whole bunch of the Deportes guys. Um, and so we were talking about different things like that and he was always like sort of hinting at the fact that it's always just, it's such a, such a gamble and such a mess. And like, if you get stuff mm. done, it's amazing that you're able to cut through everything. So, you know, I know, I'm not sure it was, uh, it was ever, it would get any better. I don't know.
3: You know, but I mean, you know, we talked about the risk and the gamble with Costa. That's not the case, you know, with a Pavone. So, That's... you know, should he become available it looks like it would be a midseason acquisition and possible, you know, you look league,
2: at it. possible league MVP, Christian. You put yeah, him in. I mean and that's you're the like, type of talent. You know what you get. I mean, Costa could be that too. It's just more of a question mark of will he be? Christian Pavone has already been here, already shown it, already did it. That's why there is a want to go back to. Um we okay. and, and of course we have talked about this many times uh on the show is does it only have to be those two guys? Couldn't it be other people? Like, it, it feels like there's there's a lot of like focus where there doesn't need to be focus. sometimes. It's like there's a whole world of football. You, yeah. can, you can pull it for anywhere you want, anybody you want. Um, And so, again, that's sort of the question. It's the opportunity cost. If you're going to spend five million dollars signing Douglas Costa, which is the rumor. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, If you're going to sign five million dollars you know, to Costa, who are you missing that you could have signed for? $4 million or $5 million or $6 million mm-hmm. around that price. That could have been a difference maker for the LA galaxy. And why does it have to be Costa who has a big question mark, right?
3: I mean, it could have been Carlos Tevez, right?
2: He's apparently DC United.
3: <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. He's been linked to, he's got contacts with Lasada. There's the, the coach at DC and he's out a contract with Boca. I had to wait for that contract to, 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 uh, expire before he could even make a move because no transfer could be worked out with him. Right. Um, uh, so no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, it's uh, it's hey, all interesting, man.
2: That's 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 what it that is. Mean, it's wacky season. It's wacky it's, preseason. Exactly, silly season. It's it's uh it's the the preseason. So your hopes are. I mean, you know, the Galaxy won a four nothing preseason game. Everybody's like, so should I book my tickets for MLS Cup now? Is that
3: is that how that should work? <laughs> Maybe you know what, you know what, Josh. It's funny because it's it, the my feelings on where this team is in terms of my hopes for this season and how I regarded the offseason going. I've really done a 180 in the last two weeks for me personally. I don't know how you felt, but I mean, I was kind of down. And then I said, where's this big signing? Where is it? I mean, I'm waiting for it. We're all waiting for it to happen, right? Where is that, you know, big Beckham signing? Where, you know, not necessarily, maybe that Keane signing, that Gerard signing, whatever. And it just wasn't coming. But then slowly, you know, the, the piece comes in with Delgado. You you watch some of these performances in preseason. Yes, there are. You know, it's not the, it's not the finished article, but... I feel a lot better than I did about two or three weeks ago about this team. I don't know. How how are you seeing it?
2: I feel better. Um, I will say this, and I've made this argument. I don't know whether I believe it, um, but I've said it enough times. I probably do believe it, that just the fact that you don't have a large amount of turnover in the offseason, that you have guys who are comfortable with each other, right? And that they're there. They know each other's positions. I mean, quite honestly, I asked Greg Vanny about Marky Delgado, excuse me, Mark Delgado. He's a man. We're not going to call
1: him um, <laughs> Mark Delgado.
2: Man. Yeah, he's a grown man. Uh, he, more about Mark Delgado. And I'm like, how do you see him fitting in this offense so far? I mean, he's coming in. There's a lot of new pieces. And he was also like, he's like, yeah, but they're also he knows how to play my system. And the guy who he pairs with the best that he did within Toronto is Victor Vasquez. And Victor Vasquez is right there. He's like, he's yeah. just having to relearn my system a little bit. That's about it. Like, And so there's that even bringing Mark Delgado in, there's a synergy with bringing him in, right? You're not bringing a guy in who doesn't understand understand what Greg Vanny wants, right. how he wants to play or anything like that. So it's not like there's this huge learning curve. The learning curve is going to be on Costa coming in. Quite honestly, it's going to be like, does the galaxy adjust to him? Does he adjust to the galaxy? Uh, yeah. Chicharito seemed like he was in great, point. In, in great shape and looking really good. Um, I know some people were worried about him coming off in the 60th minute and like sort of just walking off and limping off after he got tackled. And it was a bad tackle. Um, I think yeah. he's fine for right now. I haven't heard anything. So um, all those things, but they, just knowing Just knowing the guy next to you, knowing what he's supposed to be doing, where you think he's going to be is such like 90% of the battle, especially Mm -hmm. with Vanny, who's trying to run this system. So you integrate the few pieces that you're going to have in here. And if nothing else changes, Christian, I would always believe that a team that is young and got put together and has grown a year older together will be a better Mm -hmm. team that next year just because they've had more time
3: to play with each other. I see your point. And I totally validate your point. I mean, I, c- I completely agree with it, but there's also this school of thought conversely, where, hey, this is a team that hasn't had a lot of turnover, and this is a team that didn't quite frankly meet their desired goal and, and, and wasn't good enough to make the playoffs right Any year when they they, they really should have, in my opinion, especially the way they started. So there is that other argument to it, Hey, this team wasn't good enough, but you haven't made the you haven't made the necessary changes to improve upon this team. You're sticking with something that wasn't good enough last year. What makes you think it's going to be good enough for this year? And that, that's where it kind of like it feeds into that skepticism we were talking about with new arrivals coming in. So there is that kind of counter argument, which I can understand. Right. I tend to side more with what you're saying about this, where, you know, let's not forget. I mean, we had 17 new players, was it last year? I think year?
2: about 17. There's, we always argue it's like 15 or 17, but right yeah. in there, it doesn't matter. It's I mean, right there.
3: 17. Okay. Can you imagine this? Chelsea Football Club, Manchester United, anybody. You've had 17 new players, yeah, a that, new head coach, yep. and a predominant share of those 17 players are first-teamers. Yeah. That Yeah, is absolutely unheard of no, it is. anywhere in the football soccer world. I mean, it's incredible. So the amount of adjustment changes and learning and cultural clashes and, you know, the good Lord knows what the, the paperwork, you know, that's not to be understated. So, yeah, a, a year under their belt, year two. And and now this is a big point though this is a big big year for Greg Vanney a testing point for this team his philosophy and his outlook they need to come good this year Right
2: no hey we'll see if it uh we'll see if it happens see how it goes All right um, I think that about does it. I'm going to check real quick on just my uh, my Costa tracker before I yeah. I just question. I just want to see. I, I don't I didn't I didn't. He still just barely is like he's Peru? he's starting to hit the uh, the islands that sort of wrap down and touch South America there. In that is he in uh,
3: CONCACAF
0: territory? Yeah, he yet? he's
2: very close to CONCACAF territory. Uh, I think one of those islands might be one of my geography is not great. Uh, my oldest, by the way, would tell me exactly which country that is, um, and then laugh at me for not knowing. But that's uh, that's <laughs> fine as well. So uh, that's where I'm seeing uh, Costa again. Again, the arrival we're expecting into Los Angeles is tomorrow, probably between 9 and 10. Um, head on over to the corner of the Galaxy Twitter account at Galaxy Podcast, and we'll do our best to sort of usher you into that arrival um, as it happens Panda will in, be there. in the morning. Yeah, I'm sure. After he's done with Ontario, he's just going to go to the airport and camp out. Um, so, oh, he's going to go to the Ontario yeah. airport, though. He's at the wrong airport. That's the problem. So um, <laughs> we'll we'll see if we can, uh, we can get him back there. All right. Uh, Christian, is there anything
3: else you want to touch on before we let you go? nope i've talked to him blue in the face uh so. well,
2: that's always that's always a good thing that's how that's how it works here um tell people where they can find you and we'll get on and out of here
3: at c miles sports on twitter um kind of all over the place and uh join us this year on radio Commentario on the galaxy stream lagalaxy.com or you can check it on youtube i'll be teaming up with the irrepressible brilliant joe Tatino this year kind of chopping and changing and subbing in for Kobe Jones, but really looking forward. To, uh what 20 more days, Josh?
2: Twenty more days. Yes. Twenty more days. All right. Thanks, Christian. We appreciate it. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. If we uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGeswin J G U E S M A N. And of course at Galaxy Podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Our podcast videos, post game media availability is up there on the website as well. You can watch the full media call. And I mean full media call. I don't edit it because that would take time and I don't want to do that. So full media call is available for your corner of the galaxy. Alright, I think that does it. Uh, filling in for the Panda who is out at the Ontario Fury game. It's Christian Miles. I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening. You've been watching To Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody.
1: You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at GalaxyPodcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy.